moving, body moving, body moving, we be body moving, body moving, body moving, body moving, we be body moving. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Coming at you on a Friday Pro Nola segment. Now, Gus Kattengill joins us on the phone line from ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans. My friend, comrade, I don't know that I'd call him a, a commander. Um, Gus, man, how's life? Doing well, man. How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm good. So, uh, how how do you feel about the uh, the Washington Commanders name? I gotta tell you, with all I mean, I've been there a couple of times, visited the museums and all those things. That's I guess I the Commanders comes from I, I Generals Washington or some I I I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what I guess I expected it to be, but I don't know <laughs> Commanders. What do you think about it? I mean, I, I think it's it's boring, it's mad, but like it's no matter what, when a team changes their name or or has a new name and it's in a main professional sport, I mean the internet's just gonna crap on it for like a week and then they'll kinda just get over it. You know what I mean? Like and then it'll just be whatever. Right. Like that's that's all. I mean, I, I would always try to think way outside of the box. I I, I suggest that like Washington regulators something really cool or the Washington Reapers, you know, what's more intimidating than just death itself? And, of course, people laughed at me and said, those are ridiculous, Scott. So everyone's got a strong opinion about it. For me, it's like you just want something you can market and market a lot and brand a lot, you know. Like I, I think of – I think the logo is a big part of it, and I, I don't know that their logos, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of plain. It's not doing anything for me. What do you think about the Saints logo – it's the Fleur de Lee. Now, guys, we see Fleur de Lis like everywhere, right? In the state of Louisiana. Right. Anytime you see it, you think about the Saints, right? Like at some point, like there's a small party that's like, oh yeah, it just comes to your mind. Like if 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 name their team to like some form of currency, like the Franklins or the or Washington Cash or whatever, just having like a dollar symbol. I mean, you see that everywhere all the time, every day. Talk about just great branding in-house. I would have thought more about like long-term branding than just, you know, if, if you can do that and make something fit locally, so be it. But, yeah, commanders, I don't know. It, it's, it's probably going to be a long time before we have a new name enter the NFL lexicon. Right. So, I don't I mean, who even knows? It might be, might not happen again in our life. So, I don't know. I was hoping they'd think outside the box, but commanders is perfectly plain. Yeah, not just that. It just, especially like when you look at the way, I guess things are right now with politics. Right? I don't know if uh, presenting the commanding. You know what I'm saying? Just, I'm, I don't care for it, but, but whatever. Know, I don't. I, I, I don't but, even know why but, I live well, with it. I don't even know that I care all that much. But you know, there's people. Everyone always has a strong opinion about team na- names of teams and uniforms of teams. I mean, you get you get people going on that. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, there's a lot of history and there's a lot of different things that you could have done with it. Um, a lot of ties to the area, obviously, with American history. Um, you know, kind of like the monuments would have 
you know, done something that nature, but just something you, know, you you have in terms of different names on teams. You have animals. You have, um, you know, trying to think of what the animals would be like. You know, I mean, give me the Washington werewolves. You know, I mean, it would have been fine by me. <laughs> Yeah, they commander the box. Does, does nothing for like, me. If, yeah. if, if people yeah, are kind of like, like fox, exactly. if people Weasels, are reacting I mean, with you know? jokes because it's like out there, I, that, that almost yeah. feels like better PR than everybody reacting because it's boring. You know, I don't know. Okay. Uh, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Gus Kattengill, our guest. Uh, real quick, on uh, we'll talk more about the Super Bowl next week, but... Um, you know, I was wrong. I, I thought Chiefs would beat the Bengals. I thought the Niners could beat the Rams, although, you know, plus three and a half, the cash still, the uh, the check still cashed. But I was wrong about both of those, man. Um, and now it's the Super Bowl, and the Rams are a favorite, and they, they appear to have a lot of things in their favor, but that's that's kind of been mm-hmm. the, the going for the Bengals, you know, most of the season, and certainly the postseason. Well, they got too much working against them, and yet here they uh, We'll talk more next week, but what's your early feel for the Super Bowl? Well, if you remember last week when we were talking, Scott, um, I kept saying the phrase that I've been using for about Cincinnati. I kept saying, why not, remember? <laughs> and I said, yeah. oh, you got that guy that, um, you know, instills that confidence. It's interesting to me in how to view it because you can view like life that way, right? Where, hey, did Kansas City give that game away? Well, winning is making plays. I always hear coaches say you got to make the plays. Part of that is closing. I mean, a year ago, we came to the Pelicans, 14 games, double-digit leads, you blew. You didn't close. That's, that's part of winning, isn't it? I mean, you could say the Pels gave that away or the other team made those plays, and you didn't. Um, you look at the, the fact that Kansas City could have scored before halftime. People are focusing on that. Dude, he's escaping everywhere in that first half, and Hill, who's outrunning everybody. I mean, that would literally be like Brees dumping it to Kamara at the four-yard line. You against Eli Apple, who you think is going to win? Not out of ten times, dude, that's a touchdown. Just made a good play. Uh, but that three points made a difference. Man, it's why I keep saying the Nola no call. You had three plays in that game, man. They could have won that game in the end. Now, you go to the end of that game, could have scored a touchdown. I thought they got cute with the clock, trying to run it instead of scoring. There's a lot of different things that you can say they didn't do it. But, man, I don't know if you saw it, Scott, or if your listeners did. And then the mic, mic'd up, um, you know, AFC Championship game, and you can hear Burroughs literally after that interception to score a touchdown and then, you know, after sports are family going for two, the confidence level, the players on the sideline giving him nicknames, Tom, Matthew, Kelly, Starline, that Burroughs going through the reads and progressions. He's looking for pass like you just in that ten to sixteen minutes, dude, see why having an elite quarterback is so important why guy can literally walk in to a building, Scott where they've won two games two years ago and they're in the Super Bowl. It's incredible what he brought confidence wise. So I'm absolutely giving them a shot. Now, talent wise, much like the teams they played, 
they're facing better talent. They're pretty loaded. Stafford doesn't play like a bum. He's pretty good. If pretty good. Didn't show up when the Saints needed him to. I guess the 49ers a couple of games ago, but that defensive line is formidable. The Bengals offensive line is terrible. So, you know, losing the title. I mean, Scott, sitting here on a Friday, a week before Super Bowl weekend, I don't know how Cincy can win. At the same time, I found Cincy the last several weeks in this postseason find ways to win. You also have a field goal kicker that can kick it from anywhere. Ice in his veins, so far. Man. Yeah, God, dude. Man. I just. So talking about I the importance Scott, of having an elite quarterback, obviously, without saying, but to talk about the difference in having an elite kicker, man. Yeah, no. I mean, it's points, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, I almost think that's a game plan if you're Zach Taylor and the Bengals is. Let's get it to – let's keep it a game to the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden the team that has everything to play for, the team that has made every two win a Super Bowl – have the pressure. You know, Bengals have no pressure, dude. They can go in there as loose as you can imagine. I mean, I know you're going to get nerves and stuff. You played in the Super Bowl, but you get what I'm getting at. If that game's in the fourth quarter tight, I mean, dude, they were getting blown out at Arrowhead. And they came out in the second half, and you listen to the defensive players, whether it's uh, or others, like, we knew we were going to come back and win. That's incredible. Because you watch that game, one that I really wasn't thinking even in Cincinnati thought that the Bengals were coming back and winning that game, right? So that team believes in themselves here, and that's what matters. Um, I just hope it'll be a good game. I think it will be. I think it's going to be surprisingly a good game. Gus Caggiar, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. We'll, we'll circle back to it more next week, um, but I want to hit on something you just said about the difference in having – an elite quarterback, a great quarterback, how it's the most significant position in all the sports. You know, the ace pitcher, obviously, but you're only pitching, right, every <clears throat> five starts. Or if you're a closer, you're, you know, you're only pitching at the end of a game when you're winning. In football, you got the, the ball in your hand every play as a quarterback, uh, the way the rules have been adjusted, everything. It's just different. And with Tom Brady retiring – Matt Ryan just being older, I mean, if you protect him, he can still he can still get things done like we saw in the in the loss to Matt Ryan. And then in the last game of the season, you say, oh, yeah, you pressure him. But he'll be this year. I'm not, you know, I mean, I, I've made jokes about Matt Ryan. But the, the fact of the matter is, uh, currently, he is far and away the best quarterback in the NFC South. Uh, Jameis Winston's a free agent. I mean, it's not even close. So... Uh, in terms of quarterback play, the NFC South is probably going to be the weakest division in the league next year. The Saints don't have a head coach yet. But the thought prior to Sean Payton stepping away, as he put it, he said he wouldn't call it a retirement, prior to him stepping away and, and leaving the Saints was, okay, maybe Russell Wilson will want to go to the Saints. He has him on his list. He has a good relationship with Sean Payton. Look what Payton did with Drew Brees. Look how Payton managed to have a winning record this year despite having to start four different quarterbacks. That is gone. And and I there might be some quarterbacks available via trade. I get it. But I don't know. I think it's more difficult there. I think Jameis being a free agent, but he's coming off of an ACL. And when if he does sign with the Saints and come back, well, you don't have Sean Payton anymore. Like, I is I mean, am I am I often thinking that the NFC South is going to be the 
year, and, and it's because of quarterback play? Because outside of Matt Ryan, you really don't have anything currently under contract that's that that you would look at and say, oh, that's a bona fide good starting quarterback in the league right now. Yeah, it's funny how you look at it because that's actually something I really dove into on Thursday, how your quarterback prospects and how you view the quarterback position and how it changes with Sean Payton stepping down. You're absolutely correct. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, go listen to what Sean has to say. If Sean, um, I don't know if you get that same belief in Dennis Allen, Aaron Glenn, Doug Peterson, Brian Flores, you know, there is the candidates that we've been told they're going to interview. So it, it's why I keep circling back, though, to what you and I have been talking about the last two weeks. You know, and you said it was bigger than Russell Agreement. It just makes sense um, this week. I don't know if you did so my profile uh, on my Twitter page. I retweeted the video of Jameis Jones for the first time on it. And he's wearing a Saints shirt. I'm not saying you read into things or you look for hidden messages or meanings. But every time that guy posts a video of him rehabbing, that's what he takes. But he's balancing on a, you know, half-cut medicine ball on one leg like Alvin Kamara, catching balls, or now throwing on a football field, talking to receivers, what they look at, how defenders don't have eyes in the back of their heads, which is the way to attack them, all these different aspects of it. Again, all these people have teams, it's on purpose, about messaging, it's about, hey, this guy's working, this guy's ahead of schedule, this guy's going to be ready to play. By the way, we opened up the show, not only with the commanders, but talking about a team that's going to the Super Bowl with a guy that blew out his knee last year. So, Burrow started the season. Why can't Jameis start the season? So, if you look at it, it just keeps circling back to it. God, it's almost like no one to look at a car or a house or trying to debate whatever differences or things that I want to make that always still keeps circling back to the one that's the most obvious sometimes. Uh, yeah, and you're right. The and most he's, obvious he, one seems to be that one, yeah, man. And, you know? and he turned 20 last month. I mean, it's not like he's old. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't, what is the contract going to look like? I don't know, but but all signs are just pointing to that. And, you know, yes, you, you've got a better situation. Than, we'll see what happens in Tampa and Carolina, what they're going to do as far as their quarterback situations. But um, Sam Darnold doesn't appear to be it. And uh, with Tampa, with Tom Brady gone, who knows? They got so many guys that are unrestricted free agents, and they, I don't, you know, are they going to try to make a play for a good quarterback and try to run it back again with, with a different one? Or I, I don't know. I don't know what Tampa's going to do. I just know that Tom Brady retired back in the, currently, back down in the NFC South, and you know, even with Matt Ryan, we saw what the Falcons did this year. I mean, they're not good. So it's like, I I don't know. Say it, Scott. Say it, Scott. Come on, connect the dots. That's why the Saints will be your NFC South. Uh, will they? I, with Jameis? Season. I don't know. Absolutely. I don't know. I, yeah. I am betting you will bag your practice. I will send you practice. What, what is... No doubt in my mind. I, division change. I, I, I'll see. I think I think the loss of Peyton is going to have an impact there. I'll, I'm glad you're already going there on February the, the 4th, 2022. I'm going to wait until the draft <laughs> in the offseason, and then oh, I will make my on, prediction. Scott. 
I think I'll say this. Gone. I think I think it, I think nine and eight, you know, gets you a home playoff game and wins the division next year. I mean, or nine and eight or better, I should say, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you don't have to yeah. just win your divisional games against some bad teams, and you're hosting a playoff game. Win more than that, and you know who knows, mess around and and win some playoff games. But yeah, the NFC South, I feel like they're going to be on Thursday night football a lot next year. Oh, <laughs> but look, and that's the point, and that's the point that. You know, again, the team that kept the Saints winning division this year was Tampa. They shut them out by Tampa with a poor offense yeah. and their head coach yeah. went on the field. So that, that's why I feel that way. I I guess. You know, that. It makes sense. It makes you sense. Have, you have enough talent, and, and I'm just going by the rule of odds, right? The odds that we're going to have the COVID situation at this year. The NFL's learned, right? Have you noticed not a single player missed a postseason game, COVID got cured in the NFL. You noticed that, huh? There's mask mandates in New Orleans, yet in the NFL, not a single positive COVID test. The Saints two weeks before the regular season ended at COVID test that were positive and players were missing. Yet miraculously, playoffs started, not a positive test at all, which is nuts because earlier this week, we got even more mandates in the city of New Orleans. My kid goes to school, doesn't need a mask or vaccine. I can't bring him the Pell's game without a vaccine or a mask. NFL, seeing Los Angeles in <laughs> Super Bowl 56. So um, I don't think that's happening next year is what I'm getting at. Like the odds we're shutting down players, moving games, I don't think you're seeing that next year. The odds, right? Um, I'm not saying it can't I'm not saying the Prather variant doesn't come through or whatever and, you know, and change. But my odds tell me that you're probably not going to have that again. So you're not going to have games where you're missing staffs. You're not going to have the, you know, the Dolphins game where you basically put out a flag football team out there. So if all that doesn't happen and your quarterback injuries happen. It could be another player next year, and it likely will. But let's say you don't lose your starting quarterback, who was 5-2 and two at the time. Whoever that is, whether it's a guy you draft, Winston, or Russell Wilson, if they don't miss the season, can you win two or three more games? Because that's where they were last year. And that's why I keep looking at him. I look at that division. The Bucks have a lot of questions. Look, Godwin probably isn't going to be there. What if Godwin comes to the same? There's a lot of good free agents in this class at receiver. A lot of good draft picks at receiver this year uh, in the draft. So, Tampa is going to be weak. Carolina, as you said, the mess. I don't know if Matt Rule knows what he's doing. And I just think talent-wise, while the Falcons can upgrade here and there, at best they're even Stevens, right? I mean, that's what I'm looking at. The other three teams in the division, at best, I think are even. At worst, the Bucks, who went to the postseason, maybe slightly better in certain positions. But, again, Fournette, Gronkowski, Godwin, a couple other players on the defensive side. You know, and Dominique he's gone. So that's not going to be the same Bucks team. Give me the Saints, February 4th, NFC South Champs, hang a banner.
ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Scott uh, Prather here with you on the Great Scott Show. We're visiting with our friend Gus Cattengale, Saints and Pelicans corresponding Gus. And uh, before I let you run this morning, do want to talk a little bit about the Pels, something that I chatted with you on your show this week about, and that is the pending trade deadline. And the you know you guys you guys put up a poll that uh, said um, you know would you welcome Eric Gordon back to the Pelicans and I think 95% said no, uh, but he is one of the names out there. I'll just say this. If the Pels ever traded Josh Hart for Eric Gordon, I might have to just stop rooting for the team. I, I would consider it, to be honest. The thing is, I, I didn't even like bag on Gordon as much as, as a lot of people did, but there's something when he was in New Orleans, but there are some things he did just in terms of his, his relationship with the community. They were just undeniable. There was damage done every time the guy goes back to play there the whole time. I mean, he didn't like it. They didn't like him. It was what it was, you know, can time heal all wounds? I don't know. For some fans, maybe not. I just know that like when I saw that first pop up, maybe Eric Gordon, I immediately just thought about the fan base and I'm like, oh, this is rich, man. You content coming out of this. Personally, I don't have any issues with Eric Gordon. I just know how the fan base would feel. And, you know, I, it, it, it basketball aside, man, I, is this is this actually going to happen? Are they going to make a trade for Eric? Is Eric Gordon going to return to his old team in New Orleans? <laughs> That's a key. You kept saying that. Oh, I kept saying that yesterday. You can trade for whoever you want. Today's NBA. <laughs> no trade clause or trade clause. It's up to the player to get on the plane and show up. And we've all seen that infamous photo, Scott. Of he showing up with the other two players. All right, get, can I ask you something real quick? Clearly holding on the jersey. Yeah, let, let me ask you this. Okay, so we know we know how it went the first go round. It started off really, really bad, and the reality is, yeah. at the end, it wasn't that bad. But people don't really remember that. They just remember, you know, the first few years, which were bad. You know, at the end of it, when he signed elsewhere after, it was it was fine. It was amicable. He was saying the right things. He was being courteous. He was hitting threes. He was playing okay. Not as well as he played when he got to Houston, but like if he, you know, he's older now. I mean, when he first got traded to him, he was 19. If they, if they hypothetically, Eric Gordon, is there anything he could say in a press conference, now years old, that they just negate the past, you know, say, you know, I was young, I might have done some dumb stuff, but I love this place, you know, is there any way he could just, with a good press conference, and he's not the most charismatic guy, um, win mm-hmm. back. Not all, but a lot of that negative. Could he sway the negativity with just one good press conference, or or is it just a lost cause? No, I look. I, I I do think this, right? I think what you said, you can kind of go that route and say, hey, look, you know, um, I want to be. I don't know. Here's the thing, man. It's hard for me. To <laughs> you're right. You're trying. You want to do that. <laughs> I'm trying because again, most people view the Pels as a team that's rebuilding. And he's at the stage his career that he thinks he's a probably more of in demand player that the Suns know, want him, man. I'm sure I'm or, sure once again he'd rather go to Phoenix right. than New Orleans. <laughs> I wouldn't even blame Suns. him, honestly. Suns, I mean, no, I wouldn't blame him. Right. That's what I'm getting at. Suns, Jazz, Nuggets, any of those teams that could be looking for some veteran leadership at three point shooting. That's probably what he and his agent think. So I I just have trouble getting past that he would even show up on the plane, dude. <laughs> I don't know. Deja but if vu. he did, 
If he does, Scott, go full villain. Presser last question. Eric, how does it feel like to be back? Well, you wanted me. Or you needed me, not the other way around. Play the bad guy with the own fan. You know, and look, last time he was 19, last time he was the centerpiece of a trade for Chris, the best player in franchise history. He was supposed to be the lead guy. Yeah, they drafted Anthony Davis. They're like, Eric Gordon's still our best player. And it was like, it it was very different, but... You can't erase the past, man. I mean, if they if they make a trade here at the deadline on your show, you can't think short term. I mean, I don't get the whole idea of no. Why would you trade anything? You got to play the long game. Can't you do both? Like, can't you yeah. get a player yeah. like exactly. a McCollum who would mm-hmm. fit in really nicely? It's not on the last year of his deal. Seems like uh, from a basketball fit and a cultural fit, it would work out nicely. Like, it's not a short-term gain. It's like it helps in the short term, but it's not like, oh, you made that trade to try to get in the play-in game. You made that trade with the idea of putting his skill set next to Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. Like, I... I don't get the either-or thing. I'm like, if you make a trade, it can be based on trying to get better in the future, and and that doesn't have that doesn't always mean oh you just got an expiring contract to have future cap. It's like no, I mean acquiring a really good player that under contract beyond this season seems like it could help in the short term and potentially in the long term. Gus, like, what am I missing here? I think if they have a chance to get McCollum, I think you got to do it. No, I think it's being mentioned too much for them to legitimately not be interested. And the Lakers, you know, early in the week, defeated the Blazers 99-94. And Portland had started to play better as the Blazers. That's something to keep an eye on. And look, man, it's how does Zane feel, <laughs> right? I mean, if you take away players that helps them win, how is he going to feel about it? Well, they're, so, they're, they're in full-on rebuild mode right now, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess so. That's that's another thing, yeah, right? But I'm with you in terms of long-term maintenance. I mean, because here's the thing, and it's what I kept bringing up with all the guys that I had on this week that covered the team. Can I make a quote-unquote blockbuster move or trade, or do I want to get rid of Jackson Hayes and kill Alexander Walker when I legitimately don't know what I'm doing right now with Zion? And I know some listeners are going, what are you talking about? Like, I don't know. Well, look, this guy doesn't play this year. I mean, am I off for you? No, no. Is he he working brought, extension this summer? Well, I mean, <laughs> I think I think that's a conversation they have to have. I mean, I think at this point he obviously would sign it because, you know, I mean, the, the odds of when, he, when you're dealing with health stuff. Um, look, worst case, worst, point worst, you just up that's something I said. Yeah. yeah, worst case scenario, you've got a, a Greg Oden issue. Best case scenario, you know, it's a Joel, a Joel Embiid thing, right? You see the flashes, mm-hmm. doesn't play much for a few years. Joel Embiid is is legit MVP candidate right now, and playing the best ball of his career. So, and he's in the same team that you know took him, you know, what one overall back in the day. So it's mm-hmm. like. I, I, there, there are two ways it could go, and I think when you're in New Orleans, I think you, you take that chance. I think you take that risk. I think Zion will sign an extension this summer, and I think you you go into this trade deadline with that in in your mind. You go into that thinking, yeah, Ingram, Zion, what is that third piece that, if that's all together, is, is going to help us take this to the next level? And I think I, I get McCollum isn't an all-star anymore, but – the, it's no secret. It's not like you can throw a lot of money at Chris Paul or Kyle Lowry in free agency. It doesn't mean they're signing with you because they didn't. 
Hey, you, can, you, you can try to go get somebody with all this money. When you're a team like New Orleans, you either have to draft a, a really good player or you got to trade for him. You can sign a nice player in free agency, but a really, really, uh, like a really good one, a guy with all star potential that's been there before, you got to draft or trade for it. You have a ton of future assets, you have the space for it. I don't, I don't. I, well, they're they're probably not getting into the playing game this year, so what's the point? I don't I just don't get that mindset at all. This isn't the New Orleans Hornets trading for Bonzi Wells to help him for a playoff run in 08. This is short term and long term. And I hope they do it, Gus. I'm I, I've seen a lot of people saying they're not for it. I'm I'm all about it. I like I said, I think you can do a fine balance regardless. Now or later. You need more consistent shooting. Now or later, Jackson Hayes is what Jackson Hayes is. And I've asked you this before on my show, and I've asked you on your show. Is he a starter in the NBA? I don't see him. Maybe 5 to 10 from now, he still can't give anything on defense. too inconsistent. And I know this week he had his career best at 19. Am I ready to give up on him? You know? Same thing with Nikhil Alexander-Walker, man. I mean, guys capable of giving you almost 30. He give you 20, and give you two. I, and, 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 again, that's only one draft. <laughs> Who I have a question mark about. So, that year didn't go according to plan, bud. Um, but, yeah, because, look, you have that pressure. Obviously, David Griffin wants to keep his job. Pell's fan base are tired of not having a winner. Uh, you got to imagine ownership fully. And, you know, it's one of those things, man, you just kind of you keep looking at how far are you, and you look at a season like this where you have, I think, the Warriors in front clearly above a bunch of teams, but because I've talked to you about it in the past, whether it's the T-Bulls, the Grizzlies, the Kings, some of these other teams that have been in and around your neighborhood of the NBA standings the last couple of years, who's taking those steps? Well, the Grizzlies have absolutely taken the step, right? Winning Wednesday in Madison Square Garden, Jean Morant, every time he speaks, I mean, the dude is basically like threatening your life on the, on the court, you know, and how he's, he's like MJ. He wants your soul. He wants to win. He doesn't care about anything else. He doesn't care about awards. He doesn't care about nothing. He, he's making, we were talking about logos. Remember two weeks ago, Sean Payton touched on a story about how he posted the Steelers logo and how everybody looks at that logo and thinks winning, you know, run correctly, no organization part of. He's like, before, it wasn't. They were terrible. Well, Shaw's doing that right now. You know, you're going to start seeing Grizzlies gear and Shaw, somebody that's in the vernacular of, you know, song lyrics or whatever. So that's what you hoped and wanted with Zion. If there's still hope, of course there is. And I'm with you. I think right now the best thing you can hope for is Embiid. I mean, dude's killing it right now. And you want to talk about a guy that's mentally stronger as well as his game's gotten better, Scott. You know, when you think of the Ben Simmons nonsense, you know, one of your best players can't play, mental health, all this other stuff. And I thought the first day of camp was great. He was like, when they suspended him and he showed up, he's like, man, I don't have time to worry about that dude. That's what I've loved to hear and hear eventually from Zion. The game is what he cares about. And 
if he can do that, yeah, but I agree with you. Look, with the he had, he would not be smart to not sign guarantee money. <laughs> you know, that would not be smart. So I do think he gets it offered because, if anything, you need to know where his mind is. And it's something I talked about on a show about a month ago. I'm offering it the first chance I get, and I'm doing it publicly. I'm doing it on Twitter. I'm doing it at the season ending presser. I'm David Griffin, if he's still around. I am making it public. Zion just got faxed the max contract offer. We're waiting his word. Put it on him. And if he says no, then you know where to go with the franchise. If you sign, then you know where it's at. And then you can start moving forward. But I think you have to offer it just to know what it is that you're doing in the future, you know? Great points. Gus Cattengale, our guest. We're going to let you run, man. Have a great weekend. Uh, stay warm. Stay dry. And we'll talk Super Bowl next week. Pels, among other things. But always appreciate you taking the time every Friday. Come on, stay with me. NFC South Division Champion in New Orleans. 2022 Division Champs. <laughs> that was a pleasure, Scott. All right, man. All right. Coming up next, we're going to visit with new Ragin' Cajun defensive coordinator Lamar Morgan. Former Cajun safety. Was on the Cajun coaching staff, then was on the Vanderbilt coaching staff, and just returned to become the D.C. at UL. We'll talk. Then in the 8 o'clock hour, we'll open up phone lines. We got conversations with uh, offensive coordinator Tim Leger, George Munoz, formerly of UL, then of LSU, then of Baylor, then of LSU, now back at UL staff. A lot to talk to him about. Open phone lines. We'll talk about what happened last night at the Cajun Dome, Rage and Cajun Women's Hoops, and what happened last night uh, up in Arkansas for the men's team. Take a look ahead to this weekend in sports and more. It's all coming your way. This is the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.